0: so we've been talking about keeping our love on through connection communication and boundaries today is the last piece of communication and the next time uh, I'm with you uh, uh, we're, we're not going to be here next week okay so it's kind of like we may be here actually we're going to try to be here but I have Alan speaking because he's been going through something that I really want him to share with you and I actually mentioned it last week so I called him right away I might have been the week before and I said Angel shared with me what you're going through. And so he shared it with me. And I said, you need to jump on that right away. And so he's going to speak next week on it. And I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, It's really good. And he has a perspective on this subject that that most of us don't have uh, because of coming from the mission field his entire life into a local church. So I'm really excited to hear that. Uh, We're going to try to get back by Saturday night. But uh, if you don't know, uh, my daughter is actually moving to North Carolina with our grandkids. Um, and so this, this next weekend is be our last weekend with them. Um, so it's very emotional and devastating to us. So I hope that you give us grace and mercy uh, if we end up staying the entire weekend. Um, it's basically our last weekend with them. So, I mean, it's not life isn't over, but, you know, we used to be able to go see them anytime we wanted. Now they're going to be 10 hours away, so it's just not going to happen. So um, if you have mercy and grace for us, uh, Alan's going to be ready for next week. Lots of pressure now. I really built it up. He's not worried at all. That's what I love about him. He's like, "Eh, bring it on. (sighs) I hope you're ready for the boundaries part because I've been so excited to get there. So the next time I speak, it's going to be on boundaries. Yeah. Have you survived the communication part? Barely. Barely? (laughs) It's rough. We don't communicate. We stuff we keep things to ourselves from the person that we're having a conflict with and we go tell everybody but that person. Which is contrary to God's word. We should not be going to everyone else if we have a problem with them. We work it out. And I, like I told you, 90% of the time it's miscommunication. They didn't even mean it or they didn't even say it. You just heard they said it. And it's based off lies. And relationships end over this crap. Because we don't have the guts enough to say, Ernie, did you really say, I heard you said this about me. Is it true? Because it really hurt. And Ernie said, I I I don't know what you're talking about. Now, now if he said it, he needs to own it, right? Right. And he needs to say, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. I was pretty frustrated with you the other day. And I shouldn't have said it. Last week, we started focusing on communicating in conflict. And we discussed learning how to build conflict-resistant connections in our relationships, okay? Not conflict-resistant relationships, because you're going to have conflict in all of your relationships, even with God at times. We're talking about conflict-resistant connection. In other words, no matter what conflict comes up, you should never lose your connection with your friends. The ones you truly say you love. Even if you hear they said something about you, you should go work it out. If you love them, you don't just end the relationship because you heard something that they said about you that was negative. Go ask them about it. Don't believe what you heard. Hear it from the horse's mouth. And then if they say they said it, you can say, why did you say that? And they can say, well, because you hurt me when you said this. You go, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. And all of a sudden you're crying and you're hugging and you're going out to lunch and everything's great. This is the kind of stuff that splits churches. Christians fall for this every day. And we need to stop. Okay, that was the point kind of of last week. But also, you know, we want to have a conflict-resistant connection with God. That no matter what you're worrying about right now, it should not affect your relationship and your connection with God. Okay, are you getting that? No matter what level of conflict we may face, it will not affect our communication with each other. And that we need to prepare our relationships for conflict right now. Are you preparing your relationship for any level of difficulty? Which means you have to work on the connection when things are good, right? And this was the quote from last week. And then I'm going to move into today. If you can pass the test of prioritizing your connection when the seas are calm, then you'll be ready to pass that test in the storm. If you can learn... To prioritize connection in the little conflicts, you know, the rated P, rated G conflicts. When rated R conflict comes and something major happens and somebody dies in your family suddenly, unexpectedly, you'll be able to look at each other and say, We will get through this together. Some of you amaze me, some of your stories absolutely amaze me that you went through some things that I can't even imagine as a human making it through emotionally, and you stayed together. You stayed together. You did not let that thing separate you. Blows my mind. Because many marriages end over some, of, some, of the, some really hard stuff. And I'm thinking, didn't they realize that they were better together? It didn't have to divide them. And yet sometimes just because we don't know, we don't know how to navigate conflict, I want to continue this discussion today by talking about why conflict gets ugly at times. And then we're going to shift gears into a kind of a, uh, a similar along the lines of this message, but a little bit different from Ephesians. So in the beginning, you're not going to get any scriptures. We're going to end with a, with a pretty big passage. Why conflict gets ugly at times and what can we do to avoid, avoid it getting ugly? Because here's the truth that I want to start out with you today in your notes. Conflict becomes dangerously ugly. When we react out of fear and pain. Conflict becomes dangerously ugly when we react out of fear and pain. By the way, has anyone noticed how much we have mentioned fear in this community series? Especially in the love part of this series, keeping your love on. Can you see how much the devil uses fear to destroy you? to destroy relationships, to destroy community, to destroy connection and to destroy communication. Do you see it? And a lot of times we fall for it. And we never deal with our fear issues. We never get to the root issue of our fear. And you know what we do sometimes? We hold on to it like it's our best friend. Uh oh. Okay, you're pushing buttons pastor. Stop it. I'm, I, this is just the beginning. I'm just starting to push your buttons. You know why we, keep, we hold on to fear like it's our best friend? Because we think, we think it's going to protect us. No, actually fear slowly destroys you. For example, want to know why so many of you won't go through inner healing so that you can walk in freedom? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Even though you're seeing people go through it and be set free right before your eyes you're still allowing a little fear about connecting with the holy spirit in a conference to control and grip you and do you know what fear does by the way fear breeds excuses let me repeat that fear breeds excuses right so if we know somebody's talking about us and they're really close to us maybe it's our spouse fear keeps us from going to them and talking about talking to them about it we come up with all kinds of excuses why We're not the ones that should have to go talk to them. Well, I didn't start it. Fear causes you to come up with all kinds of excuses of why not to attend the Inner Healing Conference. Not that the Inner Healing Conference is God, but some of you need it. And so many of you signed up and then said, oops, something came up. (laughs) Isn't the devil good? Something came up. I have an excuse now to put it off until next year. Now I can be at peace and not be in fear. How many of you that have gone through the Inner Healing Conference were fearful going into it, but afterwards, what what was I so scared about? This was amazing. Just raise your hand. Right, Almost every single participant, including me. My wife had to write me a Dear John letter to get me to go. And now I'm mad that I fought her for two years because I could have been set free two years earlier. Fear breeds excuses. It forbids you to follow through with your healing. Some of us need to get to the root of our fear issues. And you know what? You're allowed allowed to hold on to it like a best friend. You are. God gives you the free will to choose to be powerless if you want to. It's not what you are destined for, but if you want to remain broken and stay locked up in the chains of unforgiveness and bitterness and pain and fear the rest of your life, you can. We're not going to force you to get out of it, right? If you want to keep cradling fear in your arms like a newborn baby, you get to choose to do that. But don't expect those of us that are pursuing freedom and being set free from fear to feed your baby. Can I repeat that? You can cradle fear all you want like a newborn baby, but don't expect the rest of us to feed your baby. Okay? Because your fear and pain is what's causing a lot of your ugly conflict and chaos in your life. And although we'll try to help you with it, we will help you with it. We will not feed it. Because in your notes, fear feeds conflict and it destroys connection. Fear feeds conflict and destroys connection. So how can we combat this? Pay attention to what triggers you. That is so huge. Pay attention to what triggers your fear. Pay attention to what triggers your excuses. Pay attention to what pushes your buttons. Pay attention to what makes you defensive. You have to go back and go, why am I why am I acting like this? Why am I so angry towards them? Who said what? What happened? What event happened? What took place that I'm in this bad place now thinking bad thoughts about the pastor? (laughs) It happens, Rick, I'm telling you. (laughs) Right? Where's the root of this? The only way to destroy fear is to find out where it's coming from and then deal with it. And if you need help with that, we can help you. The only way to find out what exactly you are afraid of is to pay attention to what is making you fearful in the first place. You want to know why it's so hard for us to pay attention to what triggers us? Because we're so busy reacting and overreacting to our fear and pain instead of responding to it. Remember that sermon? We're we're so busy overreacting that we don't even take the time to stop and go, where's this coming from? Why am I acting this way? Some of us need to do this in our vehicles. I do this almost every time I'm in a vehicle. Where's this road rage coming from? It's not the, the person that didn't use his turn signal yesterday in the four-way stop, and nobody knew where he was going, and we were all waving him on, and nobody could tell because he didn't have his turn signal on. <laughs> and I wanted to stop the car and get in the middle of the intersection and preach a sermon about turn signals. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, use your turn signals, Duboisians. Do they actually teach you that in driver's ed here in PA? Yeah, you don't have to use them. What's, what, what, I don't even know why they put them on cars. This is what I go through in my vehicle. And I'm like, Lord, Holy Spirit, where is this coming from? Why am I so hot about a turn signal when I should be loving and praying for that person as they go by instead of giving them the dumb look? I don't flip people off. I just go. (laughs) That's not loving. And in my way, it's loving because I could be doing much more. But it's not loving. And usually if my wife's in the car, she gives me a tap. You know, that convicting tap. Holy Spirit, where's this coming from? Why am I so mad over someone that's just not obeying the law or not doing what I would do? There it is. There's one of the roots. Self-centeredness. And when you're a perfectionist like I am, good luck. Because you think everybody should do it your way. And if they don't, right? In your notes, when you can recognize what has triggered you, then you can put a responsive plan in place to get fear under control. If I know what triggers me, then I can come up with a plan when it happens. I don't know if it's a word or if it's a person, like when I run into that person at Martin's and they're my trigger, I can have a plan for how I'm going to treat them instead of give them the, the dumb look. I'm going to actually purposely put my list down and go and love on them. I actually have a plan for the person that triggers me. And it's a loving plan. It's an intentional plan. And it's not a plan of avoiding them unless they're abusive towards you. We don't avoid them. We actually make a way over to them and love on our enemies and bless them that curse us. Let God handle the rest. We don't have to punish them, right? When you can recognize what has triggered you, you can put a responsive plan in place to get fear under control. And that will help you minimize the damage of connection in your relationships. Every time that button is pushed inside of you, you will have a consistent response in place that tells fear to take a hike. Not today, Satan. When your spouse says that one thing that they always say because they know it pushes your button, you just say under your breath, don't say it to your spouse, not today, Satan. Notice I didn't point at angel, or angel, so I'm using somebody else. Not today, Satan. Don't do that. But under your breath, say, not today. I will fear. I will not overreact to this right now. And I, I realize now that I, we need to sit and talk about this. And I need, to, I need to first ask the Holy Spirit, why do I get so riled up when they do that? When they, when they throw their dirty clothes on the floor. Do you realize cops are called over dirty clothes on the floor in our society today? Let's talk for a minute about one of the most powerful statements that happens in almost every relationship at some point. And this statement, this statement that I'm about to reveal to you, it should be an exciting statement to hear. Did you hear that? It should be exciting to hear this. But instead, this one statement sends fear down our spines. Every single time we hear it. Every time. But if we really embrace communication in our relationships... It should not cause us to fear. We should actually be excited and embrace this. Are you ready for it? You're going to recognize it. Here it is. (laughs) Even though I'm only preaching on it, some of you just had fear go down your spines. Every time I, you know, I just want you know, as the pastor, I, I never, t- I try to never tell somebody before the service that we need to talk afterwards. Because you know what that does? That takes them out right there yeah. from ever worshiping God or listening to the Holy Spirit and being moved. They're, they're going to think all along, uh, the whole service, what did I do? I don't know why it's a takeout. But, and, then, and I also try to, if I'm going to do that early on, I try to give them the reason why. We need to talk about, you know, maybe you having a position in the church. So that way they know it's a good thing and not a bad thing, okay? But usually I'll wait till after service and say, hey, before you go, can we, that's why a lot of people run out of here, you know. But I'll I'll hunt you down, so don't (laughs) worry. I want you to really hear me as you look at the screen. I want you to really hear me on this. I want you to really think about this for a minute. If I love you and you love me like you say you do, because I know I love you, There's no doubt in my mind. And you love me. And one of us says, hey, we need to talk. What are we freaking out about? We should want to talk. We should embrace working out any differences, any offenses, any conflicts, or any misunderstandings. So that, everybody say "So so that. Some of the biggest words in the word of God. So that our relationship can grow from it. So that our relationship can get stronger from the talk. If there is no fear in love, what are we so afraid of when someone says this? Husbands, I know you. You completely freak out when your wife says, we need to talk. And for a boyfriend and a girlfriend, that's the death sentence right there. <laughs> we need to talk. It's over. I'm not showing up for that date. You know. It could be bad. Could be good. How are you going to know if you don't show up? How do you know if you don't, if you stop being afraid and lean into it? It could make your relationship stronger than it ever was before. You know, some people freak out so much that they walk into the room. When I say we need to talk, they walk into the room without me ever saying a word. Say, well, I'll, I'll tell you what we really need to talk about. And I'm like, dude, I'm just telling you how awesome you were today. I literally brought you in here to spend private time with you just to say how much you bless our church. And you thought you were in trouble. You thought you were coming to the principal's office. And you were just flipped out on me for no reason. It's true. It happens. We are an interesting creature. Thank you. If there is no fear in love, what are we so afraid of? When our spouse says we need to talk. When a best friend says we need to talk. Want to know where this fear is coming from? Self-centeredness and pride. We are afraid that we got caught or we might have we might have to admit we did something wrong. We think, what have I done? As soon as we hear it, we go, what have I done? We hate being confronted. And fear rises up and we react by becoming defensive. And immediately we want to blame everybody else for why we behave the way we behaved that we're being confronted about. Instead of coming in low and humble and owning it. Some of the greatest moments in my office was a moment of, we need to talk. And we worked it out. We cried together. It was amazing. And our, and our relationship has been so strong to this day because we both leaned into the, we need to talk. Before my inner healing, this statement used to make me tremble at my core. Anybody in the church, just so you know, I, I, there are pastors that would wield this to scare you on purpose. I, I try to avoid this at, at, at all costs because the last thing I want to do is instill fear in you. I want you to know that I, 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 you are precious to me. And I, when I need to say this, I, I, it's a heavy weight for me to have to say this to you. And I don't do it lightly. So if I say this, then we really need to talk because I see our relationship as valuable. And whatever it is, we need to either work through it or you, you just need to let, sit there and let me praise you. And honor you. Okay? Can you receive praise and honor? Can you? Because if you can't, there's something in you that needs to be fixed. Before inner healing, I couldn't handle this. And I want you to know that I'm just, I was just as scared to hear this from you as you were to hear it from me. Pastor, we need to talk. Right away, they're leaving the church. And now they're just going to put me in an office and complain about everything we're doing wrong. And I don't want to have this conversation. Right? So it, it goes both ways. None of us like this, not even Steve. (laughs) Jen, don't abuse it. This is one of those sermons where you could take this little piece and abuse it from this day forward. Don't abuse it. One of the things my uh, district leader used to do is every time he would show up in the middle of the week and he would knock on my office door, I'd open it up and there he was. I was like, what did I do? He didn't even say anything. And then he goes, well, the superintendent and I have been talking. And I, a fear would just go right up my spine. And then he's like, just kidding. <laughs> we fight. Remember Pastor Josh's sermon? We fight, flight, or freeze. We become defensive, or we run, or we shut down. Listen, I'm not saying that you should love being confronted. But if we know that we love each other, then this talk should bring us closer together by the time we work it out, right? So let's stop being afraid of that statement and learn to embrace it. Even if it means a difficult conversation is about to take place, a conversation, listen, that's intended to bring clarity, forgiveness, healing, and restoration. Why wouldn't we want that? Listen in your notes. If we truly value our relationships, we should embrace fighting for and working on them if we truly value our relationships we should embrace fighting for them and working on them not letting fear grip us when we hear the phrase we need to talk if you know that i love you then you should never feel like you're going to the principal's office when i ask to talk to you you should think oh he must want to work on our relationship and if he loves me enough to fight for me what do i need to fear the same goes for your friends your family, and your marriage. That's our motto for today. Here's our motto. This is kind of funny because of inner healing. Embrace the talk. (laughs) Embrace the talk. In inner healing, it's embrace the chair. For today, for communication in your relationships, it's embrace the talk. Here's what Danny Silk said about this. If you want to avoid ugly, you must have a plan for how you are going to respond When someone pushes that giant red button on your chest and invites you into a duel. There is a real chance. This is so huge, guys. There's a real chance that the person who pushed that button is already under the influence of fear, pain, and anger. And may not be ready to manage themselves well in the conversation. Shocking, I know. People always ask me, but what if they don't play by the rules? What if they're mean? In case you failed to notice, scared, hurting people do not play fair. So just be prepared for that. That is what the spirit of fear does. It brings out the worst in us. If you want to protect your connection, then you need to learn to diffuse the fear bombs. Diffuse the fear bombs and constantly steer would-be duels into respectful conversations. This goes back to not reacting but responding. I see some of you do this, and I'm in awe of you. By the way, you've taught me so much. I've seen you do this. The moment you pick up the dueling sword, you are equally guilty for whatever blood is shed. Wow. Christians, believers, we are the diffusers of conflict. And I don't care what they're doing. I don't care if they're so mad they're spitting in your face. I was actually going to act this out. We should, be, we should literally tune out the conflict in that moment. I was going to do this, but I'm not going to put you on the spot. Tune out that moment and say, Holy Spirit, what do they really need? Because this isn't about me, and it's really not about them. This is about the enemy bringing division. And I'm not going to overreact to this. Right? Now, you can't do this if you remain broken and hold on to your fear. You will not be able to handle that in such a calm manner. And then you let them get everything out. And then you just calmly say, I love you. And as you were, as you were screaming and, 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 you know, listen, if, if they said they, you offended them and you did something, you own it. And you say, I am so sorry. I did not mean what I said. But I am so sorry that I offended. Would you please forgive me? Most people don't know how to handle that. Because they're so used to people reacting back in a defensive way. They, it, it, dis- do you know, right, Katie? it disarms them. They don't know how to handle such a calm response. And then you say, can I pray with you? Because the Holy Spirit, as you were screaming at me and talking about my children, and the Holy Spirit gave me a word for you. I think I know where the root of this anger is coming from. Can I just pray for you? I'm not there yet, okay? I just said, I watch some of you do this, and I envy, or not envy, I emulate. I emulate what you do. I want to emulate what you do. It's amazing. Truly amazing. He goes on to say that you need to know, you need to know what a respectful conversation is. A respectful conversation has a goal and a process for achieving that goal. And then this next statement is a little repetitive, but that's what I love about this book. It keeps reflecting back to the previous lessons. And this is so huge for you to know how to have a respectful conversation with someone. Ready? Here it is in your notes. The goal of a respectful conversation is to strengthen your relational connection while they're screaming at you by discovering what a person needs and how you can meet that need. It's crazy to think about. Total opposite of what our flesh wants to do. Our flesh really shuts people off because we're, we're actually gearing up for our comeback. And it's gonna be way worse than what they're saying about us. Oh yeah? Let me tell you about you and your family and your kids and your mom and your dad. Right? Instead of going... Holy Spirit, what, what is it that they need? What, how can I minister to them in this horrible, ugly moment? One way is to say, please forgive me for upsetting you. Disarms them. And then ask the Holy Spirit, what is their real need? Even if they're not being respectful towards you and they are out of control, you are in control and not just reacting, you're really listening to their behavior not just seeing their behavior. You're tuning into their hearts, and instead of getting offended by what they're saying or doing, you are asking the Holy Spirit what they really need and how you can meet that need, not how to get even or win the argument. And the reason that you have to ask the Holy Spirit what they need is because getting a hurt and scared person to show you what they need can be really difficult and tricky. They're not gonna probably be able to tell you why they're so angry. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. Because you know why it's so tricky to get a hurt, uh, uh, scared person to show you what they need? Because they don't think you care. They don't think anyone cares. And when they've believed that lie for years, you're going to need the Spirit of God on your side to reveal the root of this issue. It's the the whole thing that that God downloaded to Dr. Shelley. It's the whole inner healing. We we don't tell you what's wrong with you. We let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And we, we're the lucky ones that get to sit there and watch you and the Holy Spirit actually have communication. That's all we do is lead you into communication with the Spirit of God. He speaks. And usually you don't know what to do, so we're there to say, This is how you respond to the Holy Spirit. Say this prayer back. That's all we do. We're not in there trying to scare the hell out of everybody we don't do that it's not that way it's it's the most peaceful chair i have ever sat in in my life because the spirit of god is not of fear it's of love and peace and it makes you feel so amazing and when you're done you're like a little child just giddy i can't believe how free i feel i can't believe that just happened You're going to need the Spirit of God. There's a quote that I read once that I, that's never, I've never been able to get out of my heart. It's so amazing. Uh, when we did Tiffany's video for annual conference a couple years ago, this is the quote that was on that video that I, that I read. People don't care about what you know unless they know how much you care. Right. So quoting Scripture at them and trying to impress them with what you know about the Bible doesn't mean anything if they don't actually know how much you care for them. They don't care what you know. They want to know how much you care. Isn't that powerful? How many of you realize that listening, listening is serving? Listening is serving in your notes. When you listen to someone, you are serving them. When you are listening to someone, you are serving them. Some of us never stop long enough to listen. Some of us are not really listening. Our minds are somewhere else or we're thinking of a response. Powerful people serve people by really listening to them. Listen, if we're ever going to know what their needs are, we're going to have to tune into them. If we're ever going to meet their needs, we're going to have to tune into them. When you are listening to them to really understand them, you are serving them in the most profound way that humans feel loved. By someone who's really listening to them. Listen, eye-to-eye contact, not looking down at your phone at the restaurant. It's, I, I do this, and I'm catching myself, and the Holy Spirit has convicted me about this, that when I have lunch with somebody to keep my phone in my pocket, in fact, get in the habit of just shutting it off. What's so important that you can't give that person your attention? Because every time you look it down at your phone, they're thinking they're not really listening to me. They don't really care about me. They ask me a question, but they really don't want to hear the answer because, I don't know, something else is more important. Cell phones are good for what they can be used for, but they're also hurting our relationships, right? If listening is truly serving, then guess what? The listener is really the winner. Here's a quote from the book is this. A skilled listener with a servant's heart is the deadliest weapon against the fear bombs that threaten connection. A skilled listener with a servant's heart A skilled listener with a servant's heart is the deadliest weapon against the fear bombs that threatens connection. We're going to shift gears a little bit. And I just want you to remember as we shift gears that a good relationship is not where two people never have conflicts. Let me repeat that. A good relationship is not where two people never have conflicts. A good relationship is where two self-willed people, you know, opinionated, stubborn, headstrong, self-centered. These two people have learned to deny self, submit to Christ and to each other, and they learn to work out their differences by keeping the love of Christ on all the time. I read something this week that goes back to one of my rants about people ending relationships Remember that whole, well, I just don't think we're compatible anymore. (laughs) So you were and now you're not? I mean, what happened to your wedding day? I mean, maybe you weren't supposed to strive for compatibility. And now they need need to divorce to go find someone that they're more compatible with. I came across the quote this week that blew me away and i couldn't believe i wished i would have had it in the sermon when i mentioned that but here it is uh reverend stephen cole and and i just couldn't believe when i found this you don't need to find a more compatible mate or friend as much as you need to learn how to become a more compatible mate or friend wow thank you reverend stephen cole don't know the guy but that's an amazing quote you don't need to find a more compatible mate you need to become a more compatible mate. You know why we don't want to do that? Because it takes work. That means I have to give a little or compromise in my relationships. You're right. Exactly. You have to sacrifice your will, your way. A lot of times. How many married people can say Amen. Amen. Okay, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. In this chapter, Paul gives us some principles for resolving conflict. Ephesians chapter 4. It's 1158 in the Black Bibles in front of you. 1158. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, Paul's talking about relationships in the church, about resolving conflict. However, they apply to all relationships as well, right? Let's read it together, and then I'm going to point out some principles for resolving conflict God's way. Some of these verses are not new in this series, uh, but repetition until it sinks in is good, right? Yeah. Philippians 4, starting with verse 17. Let's methodically go through this, and then I'll break it down for you with, uh, with five principles that I saw. Verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. How? In the futility of their minds. We're not, allowed, we're not supposed to let our minds lead us. Having their understanding darkened, verse 18 says. Being alienated from the life of God. We should no longer walk as if our life is alienated from God. As believers, we don't walk that way anymore. We walk with God. We walk in step with God. I think Alan's going to talk about this a little next week. About what keeps us from that. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their hearts. Verse 19, who being past feeling, feelings, who being past feeling has given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off, you put off concerning your former conduct. You put off, concerning your former contact, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, right? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness is what we are to be. It's what we are to be. You know what you have to do to do that? See, that's what I love about the Bible. They don't leave you hanging. There's a lot of mysteries about the word of God. But there's some that it's like, duh. They tell us how to do it. What does true holiness and righteousness look like? Stop lying. Put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. We went over this. For we are members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin with your anger. He's telling us how to do this. Stop lying. Stop lying. It's okay to be angry because God gave you that emotion, but it's not supposed to turn into sin. And do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. That's how you kind of keep anger from becoming a sin. He's even telling you how to do that part. Let him who stole stop stealing from the church because we've been missing items here. I don't know who it is, but stop your stealing. That's not holiness. I didn't think I'd have an opportunity to say that, but I just did. But rather, let him labor. Listen, listen, we, we talk a lot about work here, but you know work will keep you out of trouble. It can get you in trouble if you allow it to, but really, if you're busy, you're less likely to get in trouble. I think the Bible teaches that in a way right here. Don't steal from people. Work for it. We're not supposed to take. We're supposed to be givers, right? Right? Working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Here's another one that we covered. The verse that I told you God convict, the Holy Spirit convicted me about. And this is the one I memorized because this is the one he's working out through me. Let no corrupt word ever come out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not let any unwholesome talk proceed out of your mouth except that which is good in building others up according to their needs, so that it may benefit those who listen. That's another translation. That's the one I memorized. Verse 30. And here's another thing. Bing, ding, ding. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with your choices, your decisions, your actions, your words, your lifestyle. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Go ahead, Alex. Let all bitterness, here's a list. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. Clamor is basically just loud anger. It's, I just put loud conflict for the context today. It's just anything that's out of control, loud, out of control, anger. Evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, which means do not seek revenge. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Really quickly, I just want to show you some principles for resolving conflict God's way. We're going to go quick through these. You're going to have to do your own study on them for the sake of time, okay? You may want to go deeper on your own with this passage. Number one, here are some principles for resolving conflict God's way. Number one, put off the behaviors of the old man. The main source of our conflicts is our flesh. The old sinful nature. Among other descriptions that Paul uses here about the old life, verse 18 says it all, being alienated from the life of God. It's kind of, now I'm realizing it's the word that that God gave me during the prayer today that some of you don't want anything to do with God until your life is in trouble or things are good. Remember that? We were talking about that when your idol falls, now you want God? That's an alienation from God, and so now you want him to fix your problem, and then once he does, you're just going to go back to your old not reading your Bible, not worshiping, not coming to church, because he solved your problem while you think he did. Listen, if you are human at all, if you are human at all, even if you're a believer, we all have a strong tendency to want to do what we want to do, right? To do what we want, right? Rather than doing what God wants, we want to do what we want. Am I right? Am I the only one? Okay? And in your notes, when we allow our old man to dominate and control our hearts and minds, the result will be conflicts. When we allow the old man to dominate and control our hearts and minds, the result will be conflicts. Think about the things. I want you to think about the things that we bring into every relationship. Gender differences, different family backgrounds, different expectations, learned behaviors, baggage from life experiences, different habits, values, and different ways of doing things. But even with all of those factors, the underlying reason of conflict is the self-seeking old man who only lives to gratify himself. But I have news for you today that will lessen your chance for conflicts in your relationships. The power of the old man has been broken. You just need to learn to walk in that. We are to be dead to the things that the Apostle Paul points out in this passage and to be alive in Christ. What did Paul say that our new identity is in verse 24? True righteousness and true holiness. And how did Paul say that we do that in verse 23? By being renewed in the spirit of our minds. What did Jesus say about this in Luke 9, 23? He said, deny yourself if you want to be my disciple. If you want to be my disciple, It can't always be about you. Do you know what that looks like in relationships? Denying yourself is giving up your right to. Giving up your right to win an argument. Giving up your right to have the last word. Giving up your right to always being right. Giving up your right to always saying what's on your mind, even if it's hurtful. I have a right to express my feelings. No, you don't. No, you don't not if it's hurtful. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except that which builds others up according to their needs. You don't have a right. Not even on Facebook, you don't. It's giving up your right to not forgive. It's giving up your right to not communicate. Can I tell you that the only right, the only right that you have as a believer of God and a follower of Christ is being right Righteous. That's the only right you have to being righteous. I came up with that. I don't know if it's a little weird, but I came across an incredible thing from a poet, Ogden Nash. Never heard of the guy before, but this is amazing. This is like an ouch moment. To keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup. Keith, are you reading this? To keep your marriage brimming in the love of the loving cup. When you're wrong, admit it. When you're right, shut up. Keith, that was more for me. I'm sorry for mentioning you. This is the one I, this is for me. Do you know how many times Ernie and I, do you know how many times Ernie and I, when we win an argument, we make them say that we were right? They won't say it because it's Lynette and Angel, but we try. So this is for Ernie and I. When you're wrong, admit it. When you're right, shut up. And all God's people said, that applies to all of our relationships. Selfishness is the main cause of conflict in relationships. So the first step to resolve conflict God's way is to put off the old man and repeat as necessary. (laughs) Okay? The second principle for resolving conflict God's way is number two in your notes. Put on the behaviors of the new man. Put on the behaviors of the new man. Okay. In this, go ahead, Alex. We have five behavioral changes of the new man that Paul points out that I want to go over real quick. You ready? You're going to have to write quick, probably. A, the new man replaces falsehood, falsehood with truth. So if you're going to put on the behaviors of the new man, you need to replace lying with telling the truth. We already covered this one in length. The fact is, many of us are not being truthful in our relationships about how we feel, what we need, what we think, and what we want. And we lie out of fear. And you need to get to the root of why you're so afraid to tell people the truth. Number two, letter B. The new man replaces indifference with righteous anger. Indifference is a lack of concern, a lack of interest or sympathy. Indifference shows that you do not love and you replace that with righteous anger. And I'll get, I'll explain a little bit. Paul says in verse 26 and 27, be angry but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. We should be angry about sin, but not let our anger turn into sin. So the problem in our relationships, this whole I'm going to try to explain this indifference. The problem in our relationship is that when someone we love keeps on sinning over and over and over, we end up turning our love off towards them. We get frustrated, we get tired, we grow indifferent towards them. We stop caring as much about them. And God doesn't want you to get angry towards them, but really get angry toward the sin. All the while keeping your love on towards them, right? This will reduce the chance of conflict in a relationship where you are tired of someone else's behavior. Someone else's behavior is bothering you. You need to focus on the sin. Righteous anger is motivated by the knowledge that sin damages people. Okay? I'm trying to explain what righteous anger is so you're not confused anymore. Because some of us abuse it and we're really actually angry at someone and we call it righteous anger, but we're not. Righteous anger, Well, this next statement will help you understand it. Righteous anger attacks the problem, not the person. That settles it right there, what righteous anger is. Righteous anger attacks the problem, not the person. Are you hearing me, believers? We need to get this right. That's how you tell if your anger is sinful or not. If you're attacking the person, your anger is sinful. If you're attacking the sin and you get angry at the devil, then you have the proper anger from God. You all good? You understand that? Letter C. The new man replaces selfishness with giving. Paul is not talking about marriage here, but the need for believers to be honest, hardworking people who are passionate about giving, not taking. Think about all the conflicts that would be avoided if we just put to death our old man who is only out for himself, who only wants his needs to be fulfilled. He doesn't care about your needs. But the new man is not lazy, he's not self-centered, even if it requires hard work. He tries to meet the needs of the one he loves. Listen, he's not in the relationship for what he can take. He's in it for what he can give. That's powerful. Boy, do a lot of people need to hear that. This is what's breaking up marriages, selfishness. And you may think you're meeting their need. Why don't you ask them? Why don't you have some communication? he's sleeping communication ask them am i meeting your needs do you feel loved what can i do to make to make our love strong or to help me help me what can i do more of and be ready to follow through with what they say it's a conversation nobody wants to have we need to talk angel's really good at saying you're you, you're not meeting my love language i love the fact that she tells me i kind of already know it and i'm lazy but she kind of kicks me in the butt every once in a while. It's good. Communication's good, even if it hurts. Letter D, the new man replaces destructive speech with constructive speech. That's the whole do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Verse 29. We covered this one in, in length as well. Sometimes we just need to, we just think that we have a right to speak our minds, and I'm here to tell you you don't. The only thing that you should come out of your mouth, the only thing that should come out of your mouth is encouraging words that build people up period. So I will pray for you, you pray for me, and let's get that right, okay? I also don't think this is about holding our tongue and not saying anything ever. Listen, there's a proper time and a proper place and a proper motivation for correction and criticism. We definitely don't do it in front of other people. You do not correct somebody or express your anger towards someone in front of a group of people. You pull them aside alone. Because if you think you're already going to make them mad for what you're pointing out, do it in front of of people and watch the shame that comes on them. And you're doing that by telling someone they're an idiot in front of the whole group by whatever you're saying. Last one, letter E. We're almost done. The new man replaces sinful anger with kindness and forgiveness. I don't think we need to expound on this one either. It speaks for itself. In every relationship, our number one goal should be to make sure that the other person is receiving the fruits of the Spirit. From us every day. If we live that way, we will have no regrets. The last one, the third principle for resolving conflict, God's way. Number three is walking in step with the Holy Spirit. We have an entire series on this, or you can order the book, In Step with the Holy Spirit by Sarah Bolings. In Step with the Holy Spirit, if you were not here, you can go back and listen to it on Facebook. I don't even know if we have it up, but it's least on Facebook. In Step with the Holy Spirit, you can order the book by Sarah Bowling, or you can borrow mine if I still have it. Do you know that our motive for wanting conflict-free relationships is not just so that we can live happily ever after? Our motive, listen, this is huge, this is what I'm closing with. Our motive in every relationship, are you hearing me? It's not to live happily ever after, it's to bring glory to God. It's to please God the Father. And to make sure we never grieve the Holy Spirit. That is supposed to be our motive in every relationship. That changes things. Galatians 5.16 from the New England, New English translation says, Live by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. Ding, ding, ding. There's a clue. That means to resolve conflict in your relationships, you need to cultivate your relationship with God. Let's stand. I just want you to think as you close your eyes, everybody just close your eyes just so that you can have your moment with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to, and obviously I can't make you, but I just think it's good to shut out everything in the room. If you need to put your hand on your heart, you can do that. We're not going to do a prayer, but I just want you to think. I want you to think about what the Holy Spirit pointed out to you today that you can work on as we pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, help me to pay attention to the triggers that lead me into conflict, that lead me into arguments. What are, the, what are my buttons? Help me to pay attention to that so that I can have a plan to heal from that trigger. Let me repeat that, so that I can have a plan to heal from that trigger and lessen the chance of conflict in my life. And if you can't get to the root of that trigger, then you need to come to us and allow us to help you, lead you into the the presence of the Holy Spirit, and allow you two to work it out. We can help you with that. We have people who are trained in that. Maybe the Holy Spirit said, maybe you're thinking, Holy Spirit, help me to cast out fear in the name of Jesus, so that I can embrace the talk, and not be afraid to listen and share my feelings, and be able to work out differences with others. Maybe it's, Holy Spirit, help me to be a skilled listener with a servant's heart and learn to really listen, to hear the needs of others so that I can be a source for you, Holy Spirit, to bring healing to their need. Did you hear that? You can be a source of healing if you're really listening to the need. And maybe it's one other thing. Holy Spirit, help me to apply the principles of resolving conflict God's way in the name of Jesus. Help me to replace sinful anger with kindness and forgiveness. Help me to replace my destructive speech with constructive speech. Help me to replace selfishness with giving. Help me to replace indifference, not caring, with righteous anger. Help me to replace falsehood with the truth. Holy Spirit, that's what we're asking for this morning. In the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will help us when our buttons are pushed to keep our love on when someone else's button is pushed to help us keep our love on and to remain calm. Holy Spirit, will you help us in all of our relationships learn to navigate conflicts at the rated G level so that when rated R comes, we will be able to navigate it together. And it won't have to divide us because we are better together. Always we are better together. Even in the midst of conflict, we are still better together because the enemy's goal is to separate the weak, to separate us from the herd, to separate us from the herd. Are you listening to that? Those of you that as soon as something goes wrong, you stop coming to church, the enemy wants to separate you from your family through distractions, through hurt and pain, through offense, through through loss, through loneliness, through indifference, that nobody cares about me, through fear and pain, he wants to separate you from the crowd so he can have you all to himself. Because that's when you become weak, is when you leave the body of Christ. And coming to church once a month is basically you're separated. You're not part of the herd if you're a once a monther. And this is like the norm now people attending once every three months. That's the average attendance now of a believer. Once every two months or three months. Scary. How did we get here, Lord? Holy Spirit, just help me to know that I am stronger and better together with my family, my natural family with my friends, with my spouse, those of you that are struggling in your marriages, with my spouse, I am better. Even though we are going through a very difficult time right now where it feels like divorce is inevitable, I can stop it right now by getting rid of my fear and working out my differences. And with churches, we are better together, regardless of offenses. We are stronger and better together. If you believe that, just say amen. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.